What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Hamilton Sports Podcast, hosted by Joey Malari. So I know I haven't really talked much baseball as of late with it being football season. I've been talking a lot about the NFL and college football season, so really haven't gotten into baseball much with the Red Sox being out of the playoffs now for over about a week or so now. I haven't really had much to say about them, considering how cold they've been in the month of September, but I'm going to give you an update on the game of baseball right now with the playoffs starting this coming week. The end of the regular season will be this weekend, and then the playoffs will start at the start of this coming week. So I'll start with an update of the Boston Red Sox, how they've played as of late. Once again, another lost season for the Red Sox, record-wise at least. At the beginning of the year, I thought the Red Sox would be either a game in or a game out of the playoffs. They're a lot further from that where things currently stand. But I thought this year would be a bridge year talent-wise. I thought this team wasn't ready to really go out there and compete for a World Series championship. That's what I thought before the season. Then, midway through the season, right around the trade deadline, when I saw the Red Sox getting back Tana Houck and Garrett Whitlock and Chris Sale and Trevor Story, I thought the Red Sox were going to be able to make a run in the playoffs. I really did. I believed in that team. At the beginning of the season, before the season began, I did not see the Red Sox as a team that could go to the World Series. When the Red Sox, at the midway point of the season, had those four pieces coming back and they were starting to play very good baseball at the midway point of the year, I thought that Red Sox team could compete. I don't know if they'd make the World Series, but I thought that team could at least win a series in the AL playoffs. I really did believe in them. I thought they could win the wild card round in the AL. And that ends up not being the case. Things just didn't work out for them. They got really cold, especially over the last month. The Red Sox really just completely got rid of their chances of even making the playoffs with how cold they've been. And I think this year was a building year for them. And I think when you look at the young talent they have, they have a lot of pieces to build around for the future. Tristan Casas, Jaron Duran, Brian Bayo, three young pieces that all sprouted this year. And then they have some other signings that they made over the last year or two that will still be on this team next year, like Masataki Yoshida. And then also Kenley Jansen, Chris Martin. The Red Sox have pieces coming back to next year's team. So I'm excited to see what they look like a year from now. I really am. They currently sit, though, at 76-83 and 83 on the season. So very disappointing year for the Red Sox. They're just 2-8 and eight in their last 10 games played, which is tied for worst in the MLB. They have 4-16 and 16 in the last 20 games played, which is the worst in the major leagues by three games. Four wins in the last 20 games is worst in the major leagues by three games. And they were 8-22 in the last 30 games, which is also worst, dead last in the MLB. Since the All-Star break, the Red Sox are 28-40, which is tied for the fifth worst record in the MLB over that stretch. The Red Sox have lost 17 of the last 21 games and seem to not really camp much at all. And I think part of the reason maybe that they realized they didn't really have a chance to make a run this year. I know a lot of the players were upset with High and Bloom not going out and adding pitching pieces at the trade deadline. Some players are still talking about it like Kenley Jansen. But with the Red Sox not really caring much and being 4-17 in the last 21 games played, I think Alex Cora might be more of an issue than people are thinking. I really do. Is it Alex Cora's fault? I wouldn't say it's completely his fault, no. But he may not be motivated in the locker room to try to go out there and win games right now. I thought Haim Bloom was a scapegoat for the Red Sox ownership, and I still stand by that. I'm going to record something more on that another day. It won't be now, but I think Haim Bloom was a scapegoat for the Red Sox ownership. John Henry wanted to cut the payroll. It was on Haim Bloom to try to do that and try to compete with the roster on a lower payroll than the Boston Red Sox typically used to trying to compete on. And I think when you look at it, I think Haim Bloom wasn't the issue. Even though things weren't great all the time with Haim Bloom, he didn't hit on everything. He had a lot of misses, but he did have some makes too. 
Hyam Bloom did have some makes, especially this past offseason. Kenley Jansen, Chris Martin, James Paxton, which he got last year, but James Paxton did come back this year on a mutual option. And then the Red Sox also had Adam Duvall, Masataki Ishida, Justin Turner. I mean, free agency was very good for the Red Sox this past year. So I do think Hyam Bloom was a scapegoat, and I'll explain more about that another day. I've already given my thoughts on it probably about a week or two ago now when Hyam Bloom was fired. I talked about it. And said that I thought that Hyam Bloom wasn't the issue. I thought he was really just the fall guy for John Henry and Red Sox ownership. The way I feel about the Red Sox team right now, though, where we currently stand, I think Alex Carr might be more of an issue than people are talking. When you've only won four games over the last 21, and I know this season has gone downhill, especially in the month of September, the Red Sox killed their playoff chances. They're very slim going into September, but they completely killed them within the first week or two of September. But the Red Sox just seem to be unmotivated right now. They really do just seem to not really care, really just unengaged. And sometimes teams get like that late in the season when they have a manager that's not really fired up and trying to win games. He just doesn't really care, and he's just waiting for the season to be over. That could be the case here with Alex Cora. No one really knows. Maybe it's just the players as well, you know, just looking forward to the offseason. That could be part of it. You don't really know if it's the players or the coach always. But at the end of the day, it seems like this Red Sox team is unmotivated, especially in the month of September. They are 7-18 and 18 in September, and they hover on 500 or better each month. Of the season before September, each individual month, they were around 500 or better. But if you look at it, this month of September was catastrophic. 7 and 18 in the month of September. So that's obviously a big negative to the end of the Red Sox season. They didn't finish strong. But there are some positives for this Red Sox team. Even though it's a lost season, the Sox do have some pieces to build around for the future, including Tristan Casas, who was shut down about a week or two ago now with some shoulder discomfort. But what a rookie year for Tristan Casas. 24 home runs, a 263 batting average with 65 runs batted in and an 856 OPS. Since May 3rd, he hit 293 for batting average with a 922 OPS, a 536 slugging percentage, 21 home runs, and a 57 RBI total. So that's one positive thing that the Red Sox can take from this season. Tristan Casas was a piece going into the year that people weren't really that high on, especially considering he wasn't hitting very well last season when he was called up. Wasn't really striking out much. The issue for him was hitting for average. He was getting on base with walks, but he wasn't really hitting that well. And then early this season in April, wasn't hitting well, didn't look great defensively. And then each month, he got better and better at the plate. And as I said, since May 30, he had 293. So Tristan Casas is a major piece for this Red Sox team in the future. And then also Jaron Duran was another questionable piece of the Red Sox future heading into this season. A lot of people were down on Jaron Duran over the last couple of years, especially defensively. And then he was also very streaky at the plate, usually cold rather than hot. And then when he was called up midway through April this season, he provided a spark for this Red Sox team right away. And he's once again a piece just like Tristan Casas is to build around for the future. So I'm excited to see what those two guys look like in the Red Sox lineup for years to come. Alex Cora did say about a week ago now that with the Red Sox last homestand being two games against the Tampa Bay Rays, he said he's still going to play their A team at Fenway since the fans deserve it. And even though the Red Sox lost both of their games to Tampa Bay to close the year at home, they had a nice standing ovation for Justin Turner on Wednesday night. And I think it was a very good gesture for a guy that gave the Red Sox his all this season, playing through a foot injury for a majority of the season and still hitting very well. Justin Turner was a great ad by Hyam Bloom in the offseason. And we'll see what happens with him in the future. I don't know if he's going to come back. He does have a player option for next season. I'd imagine he opts out and goes and gets more money on the market. Maybe it's with the Red Sox, maybe not. But I'd love to see Justin Turner back for another season. He really embraced what it means to be a Boston Red Sox player. He really did. So the Sox closed the season with four games at Baltimore, so three left after last night. They had a tough loss last night to the Orioles, so now they have tonight, Saturday, and Sunday left for the regular season. 
And there's a reason I'm still watching the Red Sox play, and it's this. I know their Red Sox season has gone awry, especially in September. They've been awful, the worst team in baseball. But with that being said, there's only three games left in the regular season, and we have to wait until April to see them play again. Or I guess February when you wait for spring training. But regardless, when you want to see them play a meaningful game of baseball, you have to wait until April. So I've been watching over the last month, even though it's been a tough stretch to watch, I've still tuned in every single night and have watched the Red Sox play because I'm a diehard fan, and at the end of the day, we're not going to be able to see them play until April. And it's good to see some of the young pieces play, like Sedan Raffaella, Willie Abreu. It's fun to watch those guys play and see what they're going to look like for the future of this team. So talking about Raffaella, he's leading off for the Red Sox tonight, playing center field. Rafael Devis playing third base, batting second at DH. Batting third, Justin Turner. Batting cleanup, right field, Adam Duvall. Batting fifth, the left fielder, Rob Refsnyder. Batting sixth, the shortstop, Trevor Story. Batting seventh, the second baseman, Pablo Reyes. Batting eighth, first baseman, Bobby Dahlbeck. And then rounding out the starting lineup is Connor Warren catching for Nick Pavetta on the mound tonight. On the mound for Baltimore, it'll be John Means. So for the Red Sox, Pavetta on the mound for Baltimore, it is John Means. Pavetta on the year, 9-9 with a 4.25 ERA. In his last start, he went seven innings versus Chicago White Sox. Scoreless with just three hits allowed, seven strikeouts and one walk. I'm excited to see what Nick Pavetta looks like in his last outing of the season. He's been very good for this Red Sox team, especially when he made the transition to the bullpen. And then with all the Red Sox injuries, he was back in the starting rotation, and he's embraced the role. So I'm excited to see what he looks like in his last outing of the year. I'm a big fan of Nick Pavetta. I'm excited to see what he does in his last outing of the season. He is arbitration eligible for one more year, so we'll see what he is for the Red Sox next year, whether it's a starting pitcher or a reliever. My guess would be probably a reliever, but he has looked decent as a starting pitcher as well, but he really embraced that role as a relief pitcher, so we'll see what the Red Sox decide to do next year. On the mound tomorrow night for the Red Sox, it would be Cutter Crawford, who stepped up a lot this season with the Red Sox and all their injuries they had. He became a starter for the Red Sox midway through the season and really embraced that role, was very good for the Red Sox at times, was off and on as a starter, but I really saw a lot of good stuff out of Cutter Crawford. On the season, he is 6-8 with a 4.23 ERA. In his last outing, he went five and a third innings with four hits allowed, three earned runs, seven strikeouts, and three walks against the White Sox. So we'll see what he does tomorrow night against Baltimore's last outing. And then Sunday, it'll be Tanner Houck on the mound for the Red Sox to close the year. He's five and ten on the season with a 5.31 ERA. In his last outing, he got shelled against the Tampa Bay Rays. Six earned runs with 10 hits allowed in three innings pitched. We'll see what he looks like in the Red Sox season finale. Hopefully they can win all three of these games. I'm still rooting for them to win, and I'll still be watching tonight, regardless of the Red Sox and how poorly they played in the month of September. Chris Sale had his last outing of the season last night versus Baltimore, and Baltimore was a team he really struggled with heavily this season. And last night, he looked very good. He went five innings, giving up just three hits, one earned run, two strikeouts, one walk, and 69 pitches in five innings pitched. The Red Sox lost the game two to nothing, but he looked very good. The Red Sox offense was cold, though, just three hits for the Red Sox in offense. They've been struggling heavily to score runs. They have no runs in the last 19 innings played. No runs in the last 19 innings played. So that obviously is something that has to get better next season. The Red Sox need consistent offense because they have a lot of cold streaks where they don't score a run for two or three games, and that can't be like that. You need to be better than that, especially in today's day in the MLB. You need to be able to score runs. And that's we have elite pitching. And as we've seen with this Red Sox team, the pitching is always off and on, and there's always injuries. The Red Sox offense needs to be better consistently. And they were honestly good for a lot of the season. The Red Sox they were scoring runs, especially early in the season. But they do go on dry spells where they don't really score much. And that needs to be something that changes next season. They need consistent offense. They had a lot of guys go cold at different times. Alex Verdugo was very cold at one point. He's very cold in the month of September. Masataki Yoshida had a cold stretch. Adam Duvall is 
the hottest hitter in baseball at times and the coldest hitter in baseball at times. They have a lot of streaky hitters in this lineup, but they need guys to be more consistent, like Alex Verdugo, like Adam Duvall. They need those guys to be more consistent. But that loss last night for the Red Sox handed Baltimore the 100th win of the season. Baltimore now clinched the AL East and also home field advantage through the playoffs all on the same day that the Baltimore Orioles signed a 30-year lease to stay at Camden Yards for the next 30 years. That's obviously something big for them. And then on the same day, they win their 100th game of the season and clinch the AL East and the number one seed in the AL playoff race, which is very impressive. So credit to them. Their fans deserve it. I'll talk about them in just a few minutes. In Chris Sale's last three starts of the season, he went 16 innings, eight hits allowed, two earned runs, 19 strikeouts to four walks with a 1.13 ERA and a .75 whip, holding batters to a 154 batting average against him, which is very impressive. And yesterday in an Alex Corp press conference, he named Chris Sale the intended opening day starter, which at the end of the day, even if he is the starter, I think announcing it in September isn't the best look. I'm not really the biggest fan of it. Even if he does end up being the starter, announcing it now in September when other teams are clinching the playoff races left and right in the Baltimore Orioles, they're popping champagne because they just won the AL East and you're naming your opening day starter looking forward to next season, which I understand considering the Red Sox season is over. There's only three games left and they have no chance of the playoffs. They're already eliminated. With that being said, though, announcing it in September isn't really the best look in my eyes. But at the end of the day, we'll see what happens. Three games left in the Red Sox season. Why not finish strong? Why not win games? I'll still be watching, as I said, because you only have three more games until we have to wait all through the winter and wait until April until the Red Sox season starts back up. So why not go out there and finish the season strong? So now I'm going to give an update on the MLB wildcard race. I'll give you a breakdown really quick of the AL and NL playoff pictures. We'll start off with the AL. The Orioles are the one seed. They already clinched that. The Rangers are the two seed as of right now, and the Twins are the three seed. Texas currently holds a two-game lead on Houston and a three-game lead on Seattle for the AL West Division title, which right now the way things stand, all three teams are still alive going into the last weekend. The Mariners are facing the Rangers for the last series of the season. The Mariners have been very cold as of late. They had 13-17 in the last 30 games played and 8-12 in their last 20. And they still have a chance to make the playoffs. They have three games left on the season and three games that could potentially get them into the playoffs. They're playing Texas for the last three games of the year. Right now they're a game back of the Houston Astros, I believe, for the last wildcard spot in the AL. So it would be fun to watch the end of the MLB season and see who makes the playoffs. Right now, the way things currently stand, the Rays are the four seed, the Blue Jays are the five seed, Houston's the six, and the Mariners are one game back of Houston right now, the way things stand. And then in the NL, the Braves are the one seed, the Dodgers are the two, and the Brewers are the three. The wildcard standings right now have the Phillies locked up with the four seed, the Diamondbacks at the five, and the Marlins at the six. The Cubs right now are half game back of the Marlins. The Marlins have been very cold as of late, and the Reds are one and a half games back of Miami, the way things currently stand right now. Arizona closes the season with three games versus Houston. The Cubs have three games versus Milwaukee, and the Reds have three games versus St. Louis. Well, who makes the playoffs, Sam? I'm excited to see which six teams make the playoffs in the AL and the NL. I'll give a whole breakdown and preview of the playoff race before things begin on Tuesday. So one thing I want to transition to is talk about the Baltimore Orioles and congratulate them on a 100-win season. What an unreal rebuild in Baltimore. It took years and a lot of pain and a lot of losing for them to get to where they are right now. Getting rid of a lot of star players, including Manny Machado, that really started the whole rebuild, trading him to the Dodgers in July of 2018, and also getting rid of Adam Jones, Jonathan Scope, Mark Trumbo, and others. But it ends up being a long and painful rebuild, but it's all well worth it. This team lost 110 games two years ago, 
and are now the number one seed in the American League with the best farm system in baseball with six prospects in the top 100, including the number one prospect in baseball in Jackson Holiday. And they're also spending very little, just the third lowest payroll in baseball right now, and they have the best record in the American League. So imagine what this roster will look like after an offseason of spending on pitching and talent. They're already loaded with a lot of young pieces, Gunnar Henderson, Adley Rutschman, Ryan Mountcastle, and others. But when they go out there and spend on pitching in the offseason, this team's going to be very dangerous. Credit to manager Brandon Hyde for sticking through all of the bad years, through all of the pain and a lot of the ups and downs. He stayed through it, and it really worked out for him and the franchise. This team is going to be a powerhouse for years to come in the American League. So get used to them and where they currently stand because they're going to be very good for years to come in the AL. This is their first division title since 2014. The last time they made the World Series was the last time they won the World Series in 1983. They missed the playoffs in 22 of the last 25 seasons heading into this year. So really, their fans deserve this more than any fan base in the game of baseball. They finished last season on a high note, 83-79 and 79 record, and really built upon it this year. Last year was a building year for them, and this year was obviously the big sprouting year for them to really take things over in the AL. But they had to go through a lot of hardships to get to where they are right now. They were 47-115 and 115 in 2018, 47 wins, 115 losses. In 2019, 54 wins, 108 losses. In 2020, 25 wins, 35 losses. And in 2021, 52 wins and 110 losses. They had to go through three different years with 108 or more losses to get to where they are right now. They stayed the course. They believed in the rebuild and drafted very well and developed that farm system better than anybody in the game of baseball. So credit to them. They deserve it. And if you look at it this season, they didn't really start out as the best team in baseball. Or in the AL, I should say. They began the season six and a half games back of the Tampa Bay Rays, who started the season with 13 wins to begin the year. And in the middle of May, they were six and a half games back. But the Orioles found a way to stay the course and chipped away all season. And now they clinched the AL number one seed and won the AL East title for the first time since 2014. And that's their second AL East title since 1997. The Orioles franchise deserves this more than any team in the game of baseball. They were last or second to last place in the AL East for 17 of the last 25 seasons. And they had a 115 loss season in 2018, followed up by a 108 loss season in 2019, and a 110 loss season in 2021. There were 61 games out of first place in the AL East in 2018. So with all of that losing, came a lot of rebuilding their farm system, and obviously developing a lot of young talent, and it all paid off for them. The Orioles this season have found a way to be 31-18 and 18 in the AL East, a division that they were struggling in for the last 25 years, finishing either dead last or second to last in the AL East for 17 of the last 25 seasons. This year, they're 31-18 and 18 versus the AL East. 8-5 against Tampa Bay, 7-6 against the Yankees, and 10-3 and against Toronto. The Orioles haven't been swept in 91 straight series. They've found a way to win a game in every series over the last 91 which is very impressive. So credit to them. I'm excited to see what they do in the playoffs and obviously see what they do for many years to come. So while I'm talking about the AL East, I'll switch gears and talk about the Yankees, who will miss the playoffs this year for the first time since 2016. And with that being said, though, the Yankees have found a way to turn things around as of late. They're 16-9 in the month of September after 10-15 month of July and a 10-18 month of August. They really found a way to turn things around in the last month of the season. Aaron Judge, big reason for that with him being back in the lineup. 37 home runs on the season, a 267 batting average, 75 RBIs, and a 1022 OPS. Imagine what his stat line would have been 
if he was healthy the entire season and didn't get hurt against the Dodgers in June. So when he was on the field for the Yankees, though, he showed up the entire season. Another guy that showed up for the Yankees night in and night out was Garrett Cole, who's the AL Cy Young winner. 15-4 on the year with a 2.63 ERA and 222 strikeouts and 209 innings pitched. He delivered all season long for this Yankees team. When it seemed like nobody else would step up, Garrett Cole was always the guy to show out for them and show up every single night. And this was a tough year for the Yankees pitching staff. Carlos Rodon, Nesta Cortez, Luis Severino, none of those guys really produced this season for the Yankees. For many different reasons, but none of those three guys were out there consistent like Garrett Cole was. And they all had different seasons, whether it was injuries or just struggling between those three guys. But Garrett Cole was the guy that showed up for that rotation night in, night out. And a lot of people are questioning whether or not Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman will be back next season. I'm leaning towards Brian Cashman being back. Do I think he should be back? No. I think it's more his fault than it is Aaron Boone's. But I think Aaron Boone ends up being the one that they move on from and they keep Brian Cashman for another season. But I think this is more on Brian Cashman than it is on Aaron Boone. Because the talent in the roster they have was not constructed to go out and win a World Series. Even though it might have looked like that on paper before the season began, midway through the season, you could tell this Yankees team, even with Aaron Judge fully healthy, that team wasn't capable of making a run in the AL. With a lot of their players regressing this season, Anthony Rizzo, DJ LeMahieu, Josh Donaldson was awful when he was there. This team wasn't going out and competing in the AL, especially with that powerhouse of division in the AL East. That Yankees team wasn't going to be making a run in the AL. So I blame Cashman more than I blame Boone at the end of the day. But I think Boone ends up being the guy that they let go. So a big storyline over the last day was Ronald Acuna Jr. had the first 40-70 season in MLB history. 40 home runs, 70 stolen bases, the first one in MLB history. He has 41 home runs on the season with a 336 batting average, 105 runs batted in, 70 stolen bases, a 1009 OPS. He has 11 home runs and 8 stolen bases in the month of September, hitting 330 in the month of September with 9 strikeouts to 8 walks. This guy's been absolutely locked in for the entire month, honestly the entire season. But this month, going into it, he needed 10 home runs and also 8 stolen bases to try to get the 40-70 season, and he did it. And I know a lot of people are going to mention the pitch clock being the reason that stolen bases are up this season in the major leagues. But at the end of the day, it's still very impressive that Ronald Acuna Jr. was able to have 40 home runs and 70 stolen bases. You just don't see that. Never done in MLB history until this season for Ronald Acuna Jr. So as of now, I'd imagine with him having the first 40-70 season, I'd imagine he is a lock for the NL MVP now. Mookie Betts did make a great run for it. He does deserve credit for the run he had this season, how impressive he was, especially in the second half of the year. But it's going to be Ronald Acuna Jr. as the MVP in the NL. And he deserves it considering he had a 40-70 season. So now I'm going to switch gears and talk about the AL West division. I'm going to talk about the Astros. I'm going to talk about the Angels. And I'm going to talk about the Texas Rangers. We'll start off with the Angels, though, in the disastrous fall-off of the season. They're 3-7 in the last 10 games played, which is tied for third worst in the major leagues. 7-13 in the last 20 games played, which is tied for second worst in the MLB. And they had 9-21 in the last 30 games played, which is tied for second worst in the major leagues over that stretch. And I know a lot of people are going to point out their failures at the trade deadline. But at the time, I supported them going all in and buying at the trade deadline. I felt like that was the best idea for this franchise, even though it was a major risk. You're always going to have to make a big move. You're going to want to have a big reward. So they had to go and take a big risk if they wanted that big reward. And at the end of the day, they fall very short of trying to make the playoffs and try to make a run with Shohei Otani and Mike Trout. But at the end of the day, you had to take that risk, I think. And even though a lot of people probably are going to disagree with me on that, I think the way the Angels went about the trade deadline 
was the best decision for them at the time. Now, when you look back in hindsight, it doesn't look like that's the case. Nobody really could expect, though, that bad of a fall off from that point of the season to now. And I know they had a very tough month of August. Their schedule in August was very hard. And so going into the trade deadline, you knew that was going to be the case. But that doesn't mean go out there and just completely give up because you have a tough schedule in August. you got to still try to win, especially since they're only three games out of the playoffs at the trade deadline. Nobody could expect that bad of a fall-off over the last month and a half of the season. And things continue to just get worse for the Angels. Shohei Otani just got elbow surgery. He's not going to pitch in the 2024 season. He will DH next season and will return to being a two-way player in 2025. He's a free agent after the season's over, so I'm excited to see where Shohei Otani ends up. I'd love to see him back with Mike Trout, with the Angels, and see if they can make things work, but I would completely respect his decision to go elsewhere to a different franchise. It seems like the Angels are just completely cursed, especially considering they have the two best talents in the game of baseball over the last three or four years, and they haven't been able to make a postseason run with either of those guys, which is very disappointing. And a week or so ago now, probably two weeks ago, Shohei Otani was still thinking of returning to the Angels lineup as a DH. He was still leaning towards finishing the season with the Angels, and helping them out in the lineup rather than getting a head start on surgery. And that just shows what type of player Shohei Otani is and how much he cares for the Angels. They had a big win the other night, and I saw he posted on his Instagram story the Angels winning on his Instagram story. The post of the Angels threw up an Instagram afterwards saying, you know, Angels win, whatever the score was. Shohei Otani threw that up in his story. So it still shows he's still supporting his teammates, and he still cares about them a ton, and I'm sure he wishes he could be out there playing for them. He's still going to be the AL MVP even missing the last couple weeks of the season. 44 home runs, a 304 batting average, 95 RBIs, with 20 stolen bases and a 1066 OPS, with a 10 and 5 record on the mound, a 3.14 ERA, and 167 strikeouts and 132 innings pitched. Very impressive on both sides of the game, pitching and hitting. He deserves the AL MVP this year. Last year he was close to getting it, but Aaron Judge's near triple crown season and also breaking the AL home run record. That was a big reason Judge ends up getting the MVP over Otani. But this year, Otani will get it, and it's obviously very well-deserved considering how good of a season he had. And Shohei Otani wasn't the only Angels player that got hurt this season. Mike Trout has played in just one game since July 3rd, and that was on August 22nd he played, and right after that went right back on the injured list and missed the rest of the season. He's played in just one game since July 3rd. He only played in 82 games a season, 18 home runs, 44 RBIs, a 263 batting average, which is very low for Mike Trout, and an 858 OPS. So not the best year for Mike Trout, especially health-wise. I'd love to see him stay fully healthy, but it's just been very unlucky for him over the last few seasons. Mickey Moniak will be back in the Angels lineup tonight. He's had a very good season, 13 home runs, a 280 batting average with 43 RBIs, and a 797 OPS. Good to see him doing big things for them. He was activated just a day or so ago now and will be in the lineup tonight for the Angels, which is great to see. Logan O'Hoppy has been a spark for the Angels' offense. Rookie catcher who got hurt early in the season in April, missed a good amount of the season, came back late in the year, but he's been mashing the ball since returning to the lineup, showing a lot of power. 13 home runs on the year, a 234 batting average with a 770 OPS. In his last 17 games played, 7 home runs, 12 runs batted in, and an 891 OPS with a 269 batting average. He has eight home runs in the month of September, which is tied for eighth most in the major leagues. Ohapi, Moniak, two big pieces for the Angels to build around in the future, with Zach Neto being another piece there. So I'm excited to see what the Angels look like years to come from now. We'll see what they decide to do with Shohei Otani in free agency, and we'll see if they ultimately decide to try to keep Mike Trout. Mike Trout still is under contract for many years to come, 
But there was a lot going around that they could potentially trade Mike Trout in the offseason if he decided that he wanted to be traded. But Mike Trout had a quote a couple days ago saying that he's going to prepare this offseason the same way he does every offseason. And this wasn't the exact quote. It was something along the lines of, I'm prepared to be in the best shape possible and be ready to play in an Andrews uniform when spring training rolls around. So it seems like Mike Trout wants to stay, and I think that ends up being the case. Unless something happens and he decides that he wants to be traded, I don't think they'll trade him unless he requests the trade. So now I'm going to move on and talk about the other two teams in the AOS that I want to mention, one of them being the Texas Rangers. And the Texas Rangers have really found a way to put things back together for themselves over the last month. They had a very tough month of July, 11-13 of July, 15-12 in August, 14-12 in September, have got themselves back on track and will make the playoffs, which at one point in July, in September even, at the beginning of the month, things weren't looking great for them. But where they currently stand, they're 89 and 70 overall, 7 and 3 in the last 10 games played, and 13 and 7 in the last 20. They turned things around at the right time, and I'm excited to see what this team looks like in the playoffs. I'm excited to see Corey Seager, Marcus Simeon, Adolis Garcia, and company do big things in the playoffs. And according to reports over the last couple days, they could have a return of Max Scherzer to the rotation in the postseason. He's starting to ramp up his recovery, and we'll see if he gets back for them in the postseason. That would obviously be a major add for them in their rotation. And their rotation has been very unlucky with injuries on the season. Nate Evaldi just got back a few weeks ago, which is huge for the rotation, but he was hurt as well at one point of the season. At the beginning of the year, he was one of the best pitchers in the game of baseball. Very consistent night in and night out, and was lights out for that Rangers team. So now to close out the AL West, I'm going to talk about the Astros, who have been struggling as of late. They attended 14 in the month of September. They were just swept by the Kansas City Royals over the last week, and a 1-5 versus Kansas City in the last six games played against them. So they're not playing well in the month of September, and they're doing it against bad teams. Teams that they should be beating up on right now, they're losing to, and that's obviously not a good look. That's not a good look when you're losing to bad teams at this point in the season. And they're still going to make the playoffs, but it's not good to be going into the playoffs as cold as they are right now. Still a very talented and experienced roster, very dangerous team, obviously still considering all the talent they have and all the experience, but they're beatable. And this is the worst time of the year to get cold. Going into the playoffs and being as cold as they are, this is the worst time to be cold. You want to go into the playoffs, turning things around, getting hot and finding a groove. Not being ice cold like the Astros are right now and trying to find your footing again. Because every playoff game adds up and every single one of them matters. So the last team I'm going to mention before I close the episode is the Kansas City Royals, who, as I said, swept the Houston Astros over the last week. They're 6-4 and four now in the last 10 games played, 11-9 and nine in the last 20. The Royals have lost three games in a row. They did win six in a row right before that, including that sweep of Houston. As I said, 11-9 and nine in the last 20 games played, which is a lot better than the way they looked for the first few months of the season. They're 13-11 and 11 in the month of September, and they have a nice young core to build around for the future, including Bobby Rich Jr., who's had a great season, 29 home runs, 93 RBIs, 49 stolen bases, a two seventy three batting average with an eight hundred two OPS. Obviously not a very good year for the Royals as a whole, but they found a way to turn things around at the end of the season and finish on high note. So credit to them, and they were able to sweep the Houston Astros and now a 5-1 against the Astros in the month of September. Anyways, I will conclude this episode. Thank you guys so much for taking the time to listen to this. As always, I appreciate it. I hope you guys have a good one. Enjoy your weekend, and I will see you guys in the next episode. Thank you.